You are listening to the Enormo Cast. The Enormo Cast presents La Sportiva Legends. Welcome to the lineup of the most legendary climbing shoes ever made. The performance majesty of the Mira, the OG downturned innovation of the Testarossa, the El Cap dominance of the TC Pro, the precision power of the Solution, and that brilliant all-rounder, the Mythos. All legends, all still leading the pack, all of them immortal. 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 And now, coming in spring 2022, the venerable Katana Lasso gets an update to legend status. So many legendary shoes, it's easy to forget that Sportiva is still innovating with legends in the making like the indoor dominating theory. So if the word legend is something that makes you want to buy shoes, check out both the new and legendary at Sportiva.com or your favorite shop. You're good enough, you're smart enough, and you deserve a legend. In this topsy-turvy world, where we are presented with one divisive issue after another, the Enormacast has always believed that we, as a global community of climbers striving for a more perfect world, can agree on one simple thing. Titanium on a baseball hat is f***ing cool. OG Enormacast sponsor Peter W. Gilroy came upon this simple, obvious truth during a fever dream some years ago and started producing his amazing splitter hats with mountain-inspired titanium plaques to universal acclaim. That's right, folks. Titanium on hats. Don't believe that's possible or don't believe you can handle it? Don't be absurd. After all, you sent the yellow root on your second try last Tuesday, you sick little bird. So reward yourself or a loved one and go check out all of Peter's mountain-inspired accessories and jewelry and, yes, splitter hats, over at PeterWGilroy.com and enter Enormo at checkout for a discount and to help the Enormacast. That's PeterWGilroy.com. Listen, uh, uh, where are you playing in town? Are you playing here? We're doing the uh, Enormo Dome, whatever it is. It's terrific. Oh, it's yeah, big house. place. Sold That's it out. Very That's a big nice. place. You sold What's it out. That's I'll see. We really should. Look, you better get up there before you panic. Those pens are loose. You're very good. I have really enjoyed climbing with you. We'll make it. I don't think so. But we shall continue with style. Good weather. Bad weather. Now or later, anytime. Today's show is brought to you by Black Diamond Equipment, La Sportiva, and with support from Maxim Ropes. Maxim has been keeping the normal cast off the deck since 2012. And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the Enorma cast. And now back to the show. Hello and welcome to the Enorma cast. This is your host, Chris Galoose. It is... March 31st, 2022, about 10.30 a.m., and this is episode 239 of the Enorma Cast, a conversation 
with Yanya Garmbrat. And yes, I've been practicing the last name a little bit. Sounds pretty good. It's pretty close to what she gave me, I think. But do we have to use her last name? Isn't Yanya more like Madonna or Sting or Cher? I'm not talking to your other climbing friend, Yanya. I'm talking to the one who won a gold medal at the Olympics. That one. And people sometimes ask me, do I ever get nervous doing these interviews? And the answer is yes, I frequently do. But was I nervous to talk to Yanya? Yes, I was. Yes, I was. This woman is a status of celebrity that the Norma Cass has rarely seen. And she's in a world that I have frequently admitted I don't know too much about, competition climbing world. But you know what? I got this opportunity and I thought I would give it a try. And guess what happened? I had a great time. I think this interview is super fun. I feel like Yanya and I connected. Turns out we're both climbers. Hey, she climbs indoors mostly. I climb outdoors mostly, but we're still climbers. And also, and this is the best place to start, we're both human beings. And I want to give one quick shout out to Rhino Skin Solutions. Yanya is a Rhino Skin Solutions ambassador. And it was Justin and the team up there that got this thing to happen and got us connected. All right, without further ado, let's get rid of the ado, no more ado. Here's a conversation with Olympic gold medalist and perhaps one of the winningest athletes of all time in any sport, Yanya Gambrett. So many of you probably feel like it's a flex to bring your grubby outdoor gear to the gym. Yes, we see the red dirt on your big wall harness, sir, and we all know you were doing real climbing over the weekend. But the rest of us know that it's almost essential to have kit that's packed just for the gym and not mixed up with our outdoor stuff, and Black Diamond has you covered there too. Check out the Mondito Chalk Pot for those bouldering sessions when wearing your chalk bag makes you look like a doof. The Stone 42 Duffel is perfect for the arduous approach when the parking lot is, you know, pretty full. And the Airnet Harness is the lightest, fastest harness around since, as we've noted many times before, you can leave your cordelettes, your spare belay device, the knife, the bell beaners, the walkie-talkies, cams, nuts, draws, extra lockers at home when you red point the new 12A in the gym. Finally, BD's casual climbing apparel like the Craig Denim Pats can flip from the gym to the street to the cliff without a care and make you look oh so chill when you dry fire and land flat on your back with a loud thwap. So let Black Diamond kit you out for the gym and the crag by going to blackdiamondequipment.com or your favorite local gym pro shop and make your next gym flex be simply giving a good belay and some encouragement to a total stranger. Yesterday we talked for a second to test the equipment and uh, you said that you're in Oleana. Let's start there. How's that going? Yeah, right now I'm in Oleana. I think... Everybody knows so what I came for, or at least what I'm trying. So um, it's actually not a, not a big secret, but uh, mm-hmm. I've been trying um, Dura Dura. Um, I did a few goes to check out the moves. I've been trying also some other stuff, some 9A pluses. I've been trying Joe Mama. I have a few tries in it already. The last time I was here was in November last year, I think. And I checked also Dura Dura back then. 
So I saw that it's hard, hard. <laughs> I went back home. <laughs> it's not a joke. The name is not is not lying. No, no, the name is definitely not lying. So I went back home. I trained hard, came back, and it's still hard, hard. So, <laughs> so I need to go back home and train some more. But I've been. Uh, I did uh, almost all the moves. So yeah, it's going pretty well. That's awesome. And, you know. You kind of preface that with like, oh, everybody already knows. Is that something that you you kind of wrestle with as far as like revealing your goals um, to the world? Uh, I mean, I think most people kind of do because it puts some pressure on. But um, I guess someone like you doesn't have much choice. People find out. Yeah, I mean, uh, people are in the crack. Um, definitely the word spreads around like super fast. So I kind of cannot keep this as a secret, but usually, yeah, I mean, I don't want to talk about my goals too much. I try to keep it as a secret, but, uh, again, I cannot keep it as a secret for, um, for much uh, longer than maybe, uh, like at bolts. the end of this. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> You get up like two bolts and somebody's already taken their phone out and, and posted it yeah. on the internet. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying it, uh, but we will see how it goes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's like fine. People will, will mention how you're trying it and then we'll all forget about it and move on um, anyway. And you can just keep trying it as long as it takes. Uh, yeah, maybe if I stop else. talking about it, then maybe people will forget. <laughs> no, they totally will. I mean, it's all about like, oh, it's new and now something else is new and shiny over there. We'll stop yeah. paying attention. Yeah. Um, so you'll get your privacy back to a certain extent um, as you keep sure. working on it, I think. <laughs> so uh, you'll just be another person at the crag eventually. Um, yeah. Uh, well, so. it's yeah, it's interesting to to talk about that because I was thinking about your renown, um, your fame. I watched the film the the wall climbing for gold, and it just occur you know it always occurs to me actually when I I see someone like yourself with the level of status that you have in on a European front, comparing it to you know not just competitive climbers but climbers in the United States. It's you know there's always been this this two worlds where even as far back as 20 and 30 years ago, you know, French, great French climbers were, were celebrities and we've just never had that culture in, in the United States. So it's something that I've been trying to kind of relate to in my head, um, of being someone like yourself who, like we just said, can't get away with, you know, trying La Dura Dura without, you know, at least a little bit of media attention. I guess my question is, is what do you think the legacy that's led up to, you know, uh, not just let's not just say Europe, but in Slovenia, of someone like yourself capturing like the attention of the general public the way you do. Um, is there a legacy of climbing in Slovenia? Is there a legacy of competitive climbing that um, that you're building on that that's you know turned you into such a sort of important sports figure in a place like Slovenia? Yeah, um, I mean in Slovenia we definitely had. I mean, definitely had, we always had like good female climbers. Uh, I mean, also men, but uh, as a mm -hmm. female. Uh, so yeah, I always had someone to look at, to have like role models, like in Slovenia. So it started with Martina Chufar in 2001, I think. And then like there were Natalia Gross, Mina Markovic, Maja Widmar, like they were all like my big role models and mm -hmm. I looked up to them. So definitely there was no question where I would end up. 
because they were all good lead climbers. And as a young kid, I said, I want to be a good lead climber too. I want to have good results like them. And I just wanted to, to be like them. Like I watched all their like climbing videos on the, uh, on, on the internet. I watched all their comps. I studied their movements, everything. I just wanted to be like them. So, um, so yeah, they also helped me and shaped me into the person I am today and, uh, and the climber I am today. Um, so definitely, to be honest, it feels a little bit weird because five years ago I was still like the one taking pictures with them and having them as their as my role models. But now I'm like kind of in this position. So people like young girls come to me and ask for autograph or a picture. Now I am in that position of being a role model, and of course I want to, I want to show, I want to show kids that. If they work hard, if they dream big, then everything is possible. So there's nothing that they cannot do. So, of course, also I'm trying to bring up climbing in Slovenia more visible than it is. And climbing visibility is insane in Slovenia. It's actually, mm-hmm. I would say, the same level as skiing or ski jumping or um Yeah, it's 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 crazy. And everybody wants to climb. So I want to... I want to be like remembered as the one who had the most fun um that who who just enjoyed doing what I'm doing. Yeah, it's really it's really interesting in the film, you know, the the they they start with, you know, all of the characters in the film. There's four climbers that they focus on, you're one of them. You know, start with the kid you as as a little kid and it is kind of uh it's it's kind of always an interesting thing to see you know this little girl who's just like all the other little girls and then you know and then like you said all of a sudden to sort of switch it to who you are now um it's fascinating and the the one funny thing is i thought in the beginning of the film um there's this shot of you climbing a door jam yeah um which is i think it's funny because parents like always put that stuff on instagram and and there's also always this story with all really good climbers that that they were you know, it showed early on, um, you know, oh yeah, he was climbing everything or she was climbing everything when she was little. That's like a totally normal story, but it's also totally normal for every kid to do that. And yet yeah. that picture of you doing that stuff on the door jam, I'm like, okay, now that is what we're talking about. Like you do this like flip on the top and then jump down, but catch yourself. And it's, it's actually like such a preview of what you do as a climber, you know, 20 years later or however many years. Um, I thought it was just really funny and fascinating um, to, to see an actual, you know, like this actual preview of how you climb now um, on a yeah. door jam when you were like four. <laughs> yeah, funny story. Um, I had to remake the that picture of me climbing the door frames and I tried hanging like in between door frames and I couldn't do it now. So I'm like, <laughs> how could I do that as a kid? Like what? So I was really like impressed with my climbing skills back then. <laughs> yeah well and it's cool to have that perspective when you think about little kids that you're meeting is you know you just got to keep that picture of yourself in your head and how um you know how awestruck you were and how easy it is to you know to be a good influence but also you know the flip side of that is how easy it would be to mess up and be a bad influence um and it's it's good to hear that you you feel like you should be careful with that and and make sure that you're you're sending the right message yeah, definitely. I want to send the right message. Um, 
like not only the success but it also also the path to success like uh, it's not always easy it's not always like flowers and and stuff so it's also hard so yeah i'm just trying to send a good message in every way possible to to younger generation and help them also in every way possible so i'm always glad if someone comes to me and asks for advice because i'm always happy to do so like or to a a novice climber or maybe to uh to a climber who's just started competing so i always love to share advices on like mindset or training or whatever they want to know or like diet but i don't have a diet so <laughs> so i just say like eat everything uh so yeah like <laughs> everything <laughs> really you don't have like a training diet at all no I mean, oh yogurt every morning right yeah, yogurt and cereals, <laughs> but that's not really a diet. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. I mean, we, we've in in the U.S. I mean, the the climbing community and the community around comp climbing in particular recently has been, you know, kind of talking a little bit more and wrestling a little bit more about um, body image and you know disordered eating among among comp climbers. So um, I think that's also a really actually a nice message to hear from somebody who's the best. Uh, that yeah eat whatever you want and and have fun yeah that's like eating has been definitely like a taboo topic in in climbing especially among competitors maybe not so much in rock but i think like climbers are all the same like either competitors or rock climbers um but yeah um we've been i've been actually seeing some stuff that i didn't want to see like also or with my friends or just like seeing like as an outsider of what um like what other competitors are doing with their body so which i didn't like i'm not the one supporting any restrictive eating or how to say like um mm-hmm. it's definitely not the best for for a female body uh, especially like if you are 16 or 15 years old when you're just evolving into a woman then it's not the best to to have like a super strict diet or restrictive eating or not eating at all and i've been seeing stuff and definitely i don't want to go that way or i am lucky that i didn't go that way and i had people around me who didn't let me go this way so uh yeah i'm trying also also to set a good example in in this way that's awesome and it's it's good to know that the people around you were were supportive of that type of thing because i th- i think that that can also you know whether it's direct from a coach or something like that but just i think part of the problem is the feeling if you will that everybody else is doing this, um, around you. And, and I think that pressure grows, especially with young girls, uh, to sort of, at least if you're perceiving that, then that's, you think what it's going to take for you to be, be as great as, uh, as your idols are. Yeah, definitely. But I think it's easy to fall into this trap, like really easy. You don't even know it. You don't even know what you're doing because it's so subconscious that, um, you just do it like spontaneously and you you don't even know it. Um, especially if you are surrounded by people who are doing this and they Mm -hmm. don't want to admit, or they don't know that they're doing this. So you easily fall into this trap and, um, you need to have somebody who say, Hey, you have like, you are super thin or you're not eating enough. Um, so I'm lucky to have a coach who does not support this kind of thing. So he always says that, uh, 
you need to eat and you need to eat enough to recover and to train hard. So, um, yeah, I've been lucky to have this kind of support. Yeah, we'll get, I'll have, I have some questions about your coach, um, in a little bit, <laughs> but, um, I do, I, you know, going back to the film, I, I had like a kind of a, a couple level removed interest in the Olympics, um, as you know, primarily an outdoor climber. I'm also an older climber that, you know, grew up, you know, way before gyms and also, um, before sort of competitions. And so watching the film, um, I actually was, uh, it was it was actually a really great way to digest at least that half of of the Olympics. In other words, the the women's half of the Olympics, um, even though it wasn't all the competitors. But um, you know the way it was the montaged in the end. You know, I sat there and I was like, okay, this is the experience that you know I think people wanted from the from from watching the Olympics and and um, you know because of the time and everything else, it was always kind of hard to keep up with what was going on. And in, in one of the themes and one of the arcs in the film is is about our perception of you versus what you know the reality of it was, and um, and I definitely fell into the perception of that you were the greatest and you'd never failed, and and uh, it all came easy. Or you know, I'm not naive enough to think that totally was true, but I had that perception of like, well, this you know, she crushes everybody, and like, what's the problem? So let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, getting into the emotions of it. Um, again, as an example, you said that that you know you don't want to sh- make kids believe it's easy for you either. Um, but you talked about controlling your emotions and this problem with perfection. You know, can you talk a little bit about that dichotomy or that idea that I'm out here thinking that you're perfect and the message that you want to sort of get out is that that you're not. But um, without being too vulnerable, um, can we talk about that perspective? perfectionism and, and how that was actually a bit of a uh, a bit of a detriment to your performance um, that you found a couple of years ago going into the Olympics. Oh, where should I start? <laughs> There's so much <laughs> to talk about this. <laughs> no, but yeah, I've been, So you were I've, born and then um... <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, basically. <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah, but I've been a perfectionist since I was a kid. Let's start here. Yeah, so um, I was a perfectionist in school because I needed to have the best grades. I needed to like win like every school comp we had. Um, I needed my room to be as tidy as possible. Like everything has to be had to be at the right place. So yeah, I was really a perfectionist. But then I learned like super fast that this is not the best thing to do, uh, to be a perfectionist. So I quickly learned that I cannot be like the best in school with grades, like in every school competition, because like I kind of believe that I can win an athletic like track and field competition without like training anything. Like, I don't know why, but I I just wanted to be the best. And I guess this came from probably from the time when I started training climbing and people like raised me into a competitor. Um, So yeah, I'm a perfectionist like now, especially in climbing because I want to improve like every day, all the time. I want to be stronger than I was uh, like the previous years, the previous days. So yeah, that can be like really detrimental to your performance because you want perfection so much that you make kind of make mistakes because you want perfection too much. Does I don't know if that makes sense, but I've not been patient 
uh, when I had to be, but I'm learning that slowly to be patient that every stuff cannot happen like right away that you need to kind of work for it a little bit and be patient and then it will come faster than if you are like just perfectionist and you want everything like straight away. So yeah, the Olympics have been, uh, how to say my biggest, like the, the biggest probably competition, of course, in my entire life. And it's not like every world cup or world championships, because I realized that the pressure there was not even pressure, (laughs) uh, but the the Olympics, this was like totally different experience because like everybody was saying, like, you don't even need to work for it. You will win. You already have a gold medal around your neck. And yeah, everybody just said that I'm already a winner, but yeah, I mean, I won some world cups before Olympics, but you need you still need to deliver at the Olympics. So that's the Mm -hmm. thing where it got hard. So yeah, I've been feeling great that actually like before I left Slovenia for Japan, I've been feeling great just before I started with uh, my qualification round. And then, yeah, I had the the worst, two worst speed runs in my entire like preparations for the Olympics. So yeah, it has definitely been not the easiest path especially maybe also in my private life, some stuff happened that um, it was not the best time that they happened. So it was, um, yeah, it was not the easiest time of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. And also it's maybe it it got hard when, when people like when I'm competing, people actually don't see me falling that much. So yeah. So when I post a fail, for example, like everybody's saying, Oh, you you fell like are you okay like uh, and i'm like yeah i mean <laughs> like they overreact a little bit like oh yeah. my god what's wrong with her like we yeah, have to have an intervention yeah yeah <laughs> like, should we send an ambulance <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's so people, not, that doesn't right yeah it's not it's not the best feeling because i i think people yeah people rarely see me fail so um and it kind of gets like Sometimes you get the feeling that you shouldn't fail, that you are not mm-hmm. allowed to fail. And mm-hmm. um, and then actually you fall into thinking like, what happens if I fail? But yeah, this this kind of pressure. Why don't I like, just fail to get it over with? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, let's see, let's see what happens. <laughs> right. <laughs> you think that was a fail? Watch this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I kind of... Maybe, uh, maybe this kind of pressure like didn't get to me, uh, because actually I don't care what people say. I don't care what people think. It only matters what I feel like doing and nobody knows what's behind a fail, like Mm -hmm. to say, but yeah, I just try to keep doing what I want to do and not what people want me to do. That's the key to happiness. (laughs) Right. Yeah. How old were you when you were, uh, competed last year? 22. 22. That's interesting because I, I think a lot of what you're saying is is also just purely maturity um, in in some ways and and to to have that attitude of like I don't care what other people think of me and I'm just going to do what I want to do when you're you know a 16 year old 17 year old uh, is would be a, a really big leap for most boys and girls um, at that age to just have the power to push all that aside i mean our whole lives are kind of built on what other people think our parents our coaches and just people around us so 
Um, I just kind of was like, wow, it's, it's like how much of like maturity sort of played into it um, going into the Olympics. And, and um, but, but I guess my question too is, you know, watching the way at least it all played out and you said, you know, you had these terrible qualifiers in the, in the speed and uh, you know, tell me just a little bit about, um, you know, what the switch was or how it was that in the past that might've, that might've put you out. But in this case, you, I mean, what were you thinking? I mean, that's like, I hate that. Inter- I hate that interview question, but I, I kind of want to know, like, did the switch turn because you surprised yourself in the bouldering or did you walk into the bouldering going, okay, I'm, I'm back. I can do this. This is mine. That's yeah. That's uh, the question I don't like for the interviews. Like, how did you feel? Okay. How did <laughs> no, you but... feel? Besides terrible. <laughs> yeah, terrible. And if you terrible. did feel terrible, how terrible did you feel? <laughs> the most terrible ever. <laughs> Funny story. Funny story. Yeah, I, I had the most terrible qualifiers ever. I came back from from my second speed run, and I was crying like so hard. Like Roman looked at me, and, and he said, "Oh wow." That's going to be tough. <laughs> and he was laughing. <laughs> he was laughing after my two worst speed runs. I was, I, and I said, like, I, I trained speed for nothing. Um, that I trained two years to have 10 seconds on the wall. Like, what the F was that? And um, then I just, he put me back on the wall, basically. <laughs> like, just go climbing and just, like, put it, put it out, put like mm-hmm. um, cry as much as you want, but when you stop crying, be focused again and just do what you what you came for. Um, so actually, the switch came back after I I went back on the on the well, like warm up wall before mm-hmm. bouldering, and I just I kind of knew that it's not the end of the world if I had to do worse speed runs two worst speed runs and it was qualifiers, so it was not final, so it was all good but yeah after that i knew that i was ready i knew how hard i trained for that and i knew that i'm in, in the best shape of my life so i just went out there for the bouldering round and i just actually if you asked me what i was thinking i wouldn't know because i was completely sure. in in my own world like just 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 doing just climbing like not thinking about what if this and that happens like just doing pure climbing just enjoying and not thinking about anything well yeah it's 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 cool you say that because in in the bouldering round you you did look like that you did look like you were having a good time and uh and it seemed like that was a big switch that had had been turned but you know talking about roman he he's in the film um i you know i'd never knew anything about who your coaches were uh and you know i think we all watching that film have fallen in love with roman <laughs> and like <laughs> Because I was like, well, if if it just takes, if I just get to stand there and insult my climber, um, yeah, I, I could be a climbing coach. I could totally do that. <laughs> but not that he's like insulting you, but he's like, he's pretty rough on you, at least in the scenes. And they probably chose those scenes for a reason, but uh, it's pretty funny. Um, and his, what you just said about his reaction, I was like, yeah, that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's so, but a funny you seem guy. to have found the the right personality for you um, as opposed to some coach that's just like, you got this and you're the best and, you know, there's no way you can lose kind of uh, attitude, which is certainly a valid coaching 
attitude with the right with the right uh athlete but i don't doesn't sound like that kind of rainbows and butterflies approach would have worked with you no rainbows and butterflies wouldn't like uh work with me to say he's he he really is the best coach um he he's funny <laughs> no but i have to say i have to say when we we train hard like we have fun but we train hard so he's um he will never say that you're good if you're not good he will always tell you like not that you suck <laughs> he won't say that but he won't say that you are at the top shape or you are so good if you're not and so he's like he's like strict when he has to be so if mm -hmm. i'm like acting up if i'm like talking bullshit or um uh, just like i don't know just being stupid to say um then he will he will stop this and he will just um yeah he he would just be like super rough or um strict with you but if everything is well then he's he's a nice guy <laughs> yeah yeah no clearly clearly he cares a great deal about what he's doing which is which is also endearing obviously yeah. to uh and we yeah. are kind of the same personalities i would say like we are both for perfectionists like he's perfectionist in his own way like um he always like gives you stuff that you are not good at so he knows what my weaknesses are so he always like we always work on them and i'm a perfectionist in like my way like wanting to do stuff that i'm bad at so like perfect combo that little quip where you drop your phone <laughs> it's like a, it's a total laugh line for me <laughs> and people have to see the film <laughs> it's like he just pointed out the last mistake you made as, as you walked out the door <laughs> i was like oh man i love that guy um <laughs> anyhow oh uh, that's an inside thing see see the wall climbing for gold just because so, i dropped uh, my phone <laughs> what's yeah <laughs> um so it was an endless debate here in the States about speed climbing when it was entered in and everybody was going to be involved again. So I guess my question is, was the very last time you ever speed climbed um, the Olympics or are we still speed climbing? Uh, it... The last time I speed climbed was my last speed run at the Olympics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's an exclusive Anoracast thing right now. We just but found to that be out. Honest, <laughs> to be completely honest, I like training speed actually. I enjoyed it because when I had a plan and when my time went down and when I, when my moves like started to get like super smooth and I, I like speed and I said, yeah, I want to continue doing speed. I want to do after Olympics, a speed world cup in where, where was it? Like in, in Indonesia, I just want to do like, I just want to continue like speed climbing and training. Uh, but then once the Olympics were finished, like, nah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Maybe not, uh, but right. actually, but actually, sometimes I miss speed training. To be completely honest, well, I mean, it, it, there's got to be some, there's got to be some crossover in terms of just being able to think fast and move quickly. You know, I, I come from this old old school where you know everything's controlled and you move along mm -hmm. like a sloth, and it's obviously not a, a very good technique either. So yeah, maybe drawing a little bit from there to move quickly through hard sections would be would be useful anyway yeah definitely like then i realized that speed climbing also helps you with coordination with bouldering then you get that in endurance that 
like maybe helped you with bouldering, also with speed a little bit. So it definitely goes hand in hand with like other two disciplines. And um, I wouldn't say that it was bad that I had to train speed because I definitely got something from speed that maybe I would I wouldn't get it from like bouldering or lead. So it was not bad that I had to train speed at all. Sure. So when you're in the Olympics or actually this is just a competitive question in general, um, how aware are you of who your competitors are, like what their strengths are, who's, you know, who's the person that, that is, you know, the one to beat. I think that people can approach any competition in a couple different ways. There's like that there's like, I know who, who to beat. I know what they're good at and what I have to be good at versus, you know, there's a whole nother sort of philosophy where you go into your bubble and you're going to just, you know, do your best and not worry about what these other people are doing. And also I, I'm kind of curious, like how much you knew about their personal stories, you know, that were revealed in that film. So in a way, how close are you to these other competitors? I, when I'm competing, I don't care who my competitors are. Um, not, not at all. I just, my biggest like motivator or how to say, like it's, um, mm -hmm. it's the feeling that I know that I've been training well, because if I know that I'm training well, then I have nothing to be afraid of. Um, so, um, I'm just competing like, and also I'm competing, like I haven't achieved anything before. Um, so I just go for it. I just, I just, I just say to myself that if I do my best, then I have like nothing to worry about if I win or not. Like if I did, if I do my best, then that's all I could do. Like I can do more than do my best. Um, sure. And yeah, I've been, I've been trying to like, especially the Olympics, I've been trying to be in my own bubble. For example, I've never, I've never been listening to music. I bought uh, a shuffle like a few years ago to listen to music, like when I'm competing, but I just didn't use it because I didn't like it, but I uh, bring it with me like to the Olympics because I just wanted to be completely in my bubble, like not knowing what my competitors have done or I didn't want to, I didn't want to know anything. So yeah, I've been in my own bubble and just, and just like, like imagining that I'm training or that this is just a normal training or World Cup. So yeah, I've been trying to put my mind off that this is the Olympics. This is the the thing. Did you like um again? I I assume you've you're if you haven't watched the film, some people don't like to watch their own media. I totally understand that. But um again, there's there's all these personal stories in there. Um you know how close are you to knowing these stories of these people? I mean, a lot of them you competed with for years. Yeah, the, the, these other struggles that are going on in everybody else's lives is that a helpful thing to know about or? Um, or do you keep that kind of out of your mind as well? Or is there just not an opportunity to, to know these people as well as, as we'd like to get to know them? I mean, I, I've known um, their stories a little bit, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I think climbing community is such a good community that we all like support each other. Of course, you are competing because you want to win. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there. Mm -hmm. but, but still, you want to support your, your friends, um, not just compet they're not just competitors but also friends so i uh, i have known that shauna has been dealing with injuries since 
2017 probably. I know Miho has been dealing with injuries and she hurt her knee just before the Olympics at the World Cup in Innsbruck. So I know Brooke's story. I mean, she's a, she's a young climber. She has no pressure. She's just, uh, she has just come into the scene, Olympian. So, so she's in a different like stage of career. So I think like, all four girls, we we all had very similar story, like road to the Olympics, but it's actually like very different for all of us because we are at different stages of our career. Um, so yeah, I've known their personal story. We are not we we are not like talking so much, but of course we know um, we know about each other, what mm-hmm. what our like struggles a little bit and and personal life. So um, we've been talking a lot in again in in at least in our climbing community here in the states about the parity between men and women within the sport and their influence on the sport um also you know diversity in the sport has been a big talking point for and and a push for a couple years lately as well but i was looking at the at the just kind of at social media and realizing that in some ways it seems like women's climbing within climbing competitions within the Olympics is sort of emerging as like a more popular and, and maybe more influential wing of the sport than the men's climbing in a way. Like I looked at you versus, you know, the men's, uh, gold medal winner and, uh, and right down the line, silver versus silver, bronze versus bronze. And, and all the women have a much bigger, at least social media following and, and I think have a lot more interest in them as athletes. Um, and I was kind of fascinated by that because, you know, the narrative has, has been that like men dominate climbing or they've dominated for years or they climb harder or whatever. Um, and yet here's this place where the women have this influence. I think that's going to also probably grow faster too. And I'm not sure why that is, but I don't know if you can comment on what you feel as far as the influence that the, the women's side of the, of the competition scene has, uh, as a, you know, versus the men's and, and maybe also kind of what sort of pressures that the women have on them that maybe the men don't. Yeah, that's an interesting question. And maybe I also don't know the answer to that. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. why women have, like, are more visible on social media. I don't know, maybe, maybe I would, I, I maybe I could say that it's more impressive to see a woman climbing than a man because it, like, people, like, like, maybe 15 years ago tend to believe that, this is a men's sport and not women's sure. sport. So when, like, when I was a kid and said that I I was climbing, like everybody said, "What is this? This is for this is for boys, and mm-hmm. you will get muscles. You will look like a like a boy, and like your hands are rough. And this it just like it was not a feminine sport. So maybe I would say that that of course quite changed in in a decade and. Yeah, maybe it's it is more impressive to see a woman climbing than a man because maybe people still see it as a men's sport, but that has mm-hmm. been changing quite a lot. So yeah, so maybe just just in this sense, I would say that why women have more uh, followers on social media, and maybe yeah, regards to pressure, uh, I don't know, I don't know, maybe 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 guys are sad because they have less followers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Alex Honnold still is is, is as far as I could find was was like 
vastly dominating everybody. So, um, but I just kind of looked down and, and, you know, glancing at Andra and at you and, and I know it's like, it's a sort of somewhat meaningless statistic, but it also has a, a little bit of meaning. Um, I was curious though, just now is thinking of, um, as far as purse, as far as, you know, competitions where you're, you're winning money, is there parity there? Or is it like the, the awful thing in so many other sports where men just automatically win more money? Yeah, in climbing, is that the it's case not, in climbing? It's not, that's not the case in climbing. Okay. I, I'm glad I can say that, but it's not the case. So, right. uh, yeah, we get the same amount of money for com- at competitions. Okay, yeah, and and the other thing that's also I think cool as far as again your influence is I feel like, um, you know, the other rewards that come from from you know being like who you are and and winning a gold medal at the Olympics. I mean. You know, we talk about there's there's obviously financial reward just as far as sponsors and and basically making a living that you're making and and uh, it feels as though and I can't say this 100 percent but it feels as though that the opportunities for women climbers in your world are are equal in a way to men in in terms of you know someone like Red Bull or or any of your sponsors that that are looking to to sponsor athletes they they almost are as interested if not more interested. In, in someone like you versus your your you know the the guy equivalent um that you might be sitting next to yeah i think opportunities for like cause sponsorships are are quite the same uh right mm-hmm. now they're not looking specifically for for men or specifically for a woman they just they just actually care about who you are as a person uh, what character are you? It's not that you're a man and you're a woman, but more um, what kind of person are you? So that's pretty great. And I think opportunities are, are the same right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that uh, I'm working with such great companies. Uh, we've built um, a lot over the years. So we have a good friendship and partnership. So, yeah, I'm glad that they stand by my side all the time. Well, it's funny because one of the reasons we've gotten this together, um, and and frankly, I mean, someone like you is a little bit of a, uh, you know, outside guest for the Enorma Cast, um, and and it's great that you're here, and and I'm I was super excited, but the opportunity came through our friends at um at Rhino, mm. because I happen to know Justin quite yeah. well, and and um and when when that came through, I was like, wait a second, you uh, sponsor Yanya? I'm like. That's, you know, it's it's like basic. I mean, I know he's bigger than this, but I've known him since it was like out of his garage uh, kind of yeah. operation. So, um, and and honestly, it made me, you know, kind of go like, yeah, that's super cool that <laughs> what whatever they're doing for you is not, you know, commit, commiserate with probably what you're worth. Um, but it sounds like it's a it's an opportunity that you just said, this is a good product and I want to deal with these guys, whether they can you know, match Red Bull's numbers or not. I mean, as a climbers, we all want our skin to be perfect. This is the truth. And I actually like a funny story. I don't know how I came in contact with uh, Rhino. Actually, I mean, where was when was the first time that I tried their products or who introduced me to them? Probably Roman. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, he got something somewhere. Um, so I tried it there for the first time. And I've been like their customer before I became their ambassador. So I've been using Rhino's Repair 
for like worn out skin and the product that helped me the most is rhino spit because my skin is super dry and glassy and i'm dry firing off the holes like all the time especially in winter so this product changed my life so thank you justin <laughs> for making it <laughs> <laughs> for making spit <laughs> yeah <laughs> that i love that that part of his line that it's spit that's that's just great um i imagine the assembly line where you know, people are just like eating lemons and spitting into the bottle. Um, <laughs> it's like, that's how it's made. But uh, yeah, that, that and you know, the, the thing about um, what I do here on the podcast um, and what I believe in as a climber, because that's, that's the fundamental basis of this show. You know, I'm a climber. I'm curious about climbers. But, you know, we have a phrase and I mean, I don't know if it's around the world or whatever, but legit, right? People being legit. And uh, it's super important to me that, uh, as I look across the climbing world and I see someone as, you know, famous as you and you're, you're on the sides of vans and billboards and which going back to the start of the podcast, like it just doesn't happen here in the States. And I'm sort of honled, but it was more with the movie, you know, um, mm. not necessarily him as an individual. Um, but yeah, and I, but I want people to be legit. I want them to be sort of what I'm going to, you know, smartly say like, oh, a, a real climber. And, uh, and that was like the thing when, when Justin got in touch, I was like, okay, you know, this person is like, cares that much to like, you know, become an ambassador for this company that, um, you know, sort of punches way below her, her weight class, if you will. So, um, the other, the other thing I, I, you know, I started with you being an Oleana because a lot of us who aren't as interested necessarily in competitive climbing want to believe that, you know, at some point you're going to, you're going to just walk away from that and start like blowing the world up in outdoor climbing. What, what is your relationship or has been your relationship with outdoor climbing? And, um, and what do you think it's going to be like going forward um, with someone like you that has to spend so much time training to achieve what you want to do indoors? A lot of times outdoor climbing is, is this kind of very much side project? Yeah. Um, since I was a kid, I was kind of raised into a competitor I think like people saw competitiveness, competitiveness in me, like that fire I had for uh, competitions. So they raised me into a competitor. I mean, I started climbing when I was seven and I had my first competition already next year. So, so yeah, um, I was a competitor and also I finished high school in 2018. So back then it was just school and training and competitions because like I didn't have time for rock climbing and I couldn't like leave school for that. Uh, so yeah, I was mostly just doing that because I could. And also with the Olympics coming up, also like rock climbing was like a side project for me. Like usually I had um, every year, like at the end of the year, I had two or three weeks off doing anything I wanted. So I also could take time off from school. So I went like rock climbing for two or three weeks. So that was the most I had, the most days I had of rock climbing in, in a year. And yeah, like I said before, like with the Olympics coming up, I I just I just made Olympics as prior priority. But now that the Olympics are over, I, I decided to spend also some more time in rocks to try some project, to, to try some hard, hard projects. And um, yeah, I just wanted to see how, how that goes. But it's definitely a different story than like just training inside and training for competitions. 
you need more patience. Yeah, like maybe many trips without sending anything. So that's not what you're used to as a competitor. So yeah, it's, it's definitely <laughs> it's definitely a different side of climbing that maybe I was not used to it. But I also like I can't say that rock climbing is like not my thing because many people said that I don't know that maybe uh, that I should go rock climbing. But sometimes I just when I was rock climbing, I still had some goals like in competition. So when I was rock climbing, I was thinking I need to go back home. I need to train hard because my next competition is in in a month. So I need to be back. So I wasn't enjoying it as much as now when I could spend time on some projects where I can really enjoy. Um, so that's definitely has been like refreshing to say, or sometimes I just had to, I, I just went outside to send something as fast as possible. So yeah, it's different. It's different side of climbing. <laughs> well, it's funny too, because it's like, uh, I mean, there's this word pressure that I have written down all over my notes here. Um, and it's my perception but it's also it was a theme in the in the film and, and things like that and and it's funny because i have this like want and desire of 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 you of like i want you to go out and climb outdoors so it's like people like me are out here as your as your fans or 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 whatever observing you and like putting these weird pressures on you even about that it, it feels like like not only do i want you to go out and climb outdoors i want you to go out and climb really hard outdoors <laughs> and i'm just this guy in colorado you know <laughs> like um, yeah you know, I mean it's like it's always it's kind of there now as this expectation in a way um, yeah. you feel that as well I, f I I feel expectations from others but uh, I don't care <laughs> right you don't give a I shit mean, what I think <laughs> at least you're gonna I be thinking about that tomorrow when you're, you're I'm up like, on like oh the my god this, like, this guy if I don't said, do this like, move Kalus is gonna be so bummed <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but i've been trying to keep off the expectations of others like uh, somewhere <laughs> because like everybody will have an opinion of on what you do so the best thing you can do is do what you want to do so uh, right. so yeah i definitely feel like expectations of others and uh, and the pressure of others but i'm trying not to let that get to me because um I try to do what I want to do. Like I keep repeating sure. that and I know that I know. it's annoying, <laughs> but it's, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's true because like, if you always do what others want you to do, then you will never be happy with, um, no. with what you want to do. So yeah, the best thing to do is just, just do what, what you want to do. I All just right, well, yeah, I, I, I now repeated the same thing five yeah, times. So. That's okay. That that'll make me happy too. So um, if it helps, <laughs> <laughs> then I'm like, happy too. Actually, my dream is that Yanya goes out and goes to some crag no one's ever heard about, and uh, just climbs with a friend all day. Uh, like five eleven, has a great time. Goes out to dinner. And then goes home. That's if you went and did that, that would make me the happiest of all. But no, I have to say, I have to say, all these expectations and pressure from others, I take as, I take as like a support. So like when people mm -hmm. say, when people say like you're going to win the Olympics, this is actually not a. It was not a pressure for me. It was like sure. you believe in me so much that I believe in myself that I could do that. 
And when people say like, I'm sure you can cross some nine B pluses or try silence or try mm. this or that. I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe like I will, because like, if you believe so much that I can do it, then I can believe it too. Like, I'm just like happy that people support me in, in that way. So that's actually not a pressure for me when people like expect something from me. It's just like their way of saying, I believe in you. So, um, I've been taking that as a positive. All right, I'm going to go on record to say that I believe that you can go and crack climb too. <laughs> and I believe that someday I will go too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just want you to remember that. I believe in you. So, Thank you. Um, when you. So when your hands are bloody and scraped up and yeah, just remember I was there believing in you the whole time. <laughs> I um, will. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you just mentioned how like there you, you're able to go outside and climb without feeling like you really ought to be back home in the gym and that that's a new feeling, you know, kind of post Olympics. So let me talk a little bit about, or ask you a little bit about, uh, that kind of peaking at the Olympics. And, you know, I've asked this of other, of other people around big gigantic climbs, you know, um, Tommy Caldwell on the Don Wall and and things like that. Like, you know, after the Olympics, was there like a gosh, what do I do now? Kind of feeling was there that that like maybe a moment of well, that's over. What's what's next? Not really making plans, but kind of the uh, the feeling of like I don't know, that was a lot, and now here I am. Or or were you able to kind of gracefully come off of that um, peak performance? That was actually the weirdest the weirdest phase of my climbing career <laughs> because like as as i know myself i was always like motivated always like um just uh, trying to do, do new stuff just trying to do something after the olympics for the first time like there was like this moment of depression or or mm-hmm. or like, how can I say, like, I wasn't motivated at all. Like, I didn't climb for three weeks after the Olympics uh, because I just wasn't motivated. Like, I was like, what am I doing? What should I do now? Uh, I, like, just couldn't imagine to go climbing and to try hard because, um, I don't know, I felt mentally and physically exhausted. And I was thinking, like, to myself, Will there be a time where I will top a boulder or a route again? <laughs> because I cannot imagine it now. So yeah, and also when I made plans with Roman for the season, I also like before the Olympics, I said, yeah, I want to do world championships in Moscow. Yeah, I just want to do the World Cup in Kran. I just wanted to do the Speed World Cup in Indonesia. Uh, and then, yeah, after the Olympics, there was a moment of blankness. Just uh, I wasn't... How to say I was like super happy with uh, with how Olympics went, but I just felt like um, exhausted. And that's actually a normal thing. And I realized that you just have to wait for that motivation to come back, that new goals come back. I prepared myself for World Cup in Kran after the Olympics with maybe, I don't know, I think I had like maybe nine trainings uh, and then the World Cup. But actually I was like enjoying it so much. Uh, because I was just climbing without any pressure. Uh, but yeah, uh, the moral of the story, you have to wait that the motivation comes back because you can't do anything if someone says that you have to do it, you can do it because you have to feel it from the inside that this is what I want to do. 
Um, so yeah, I just had to wait that it passed, it, uh, that the like uh, the exhaustion passed. So um, and then I felt my, like myself again. Well, I think three weeks is you got off easy because uh, I mean p- people can spend their whole lives in that state actually <laughs> after certain things, you know. Um, yeah. So that seems pretty motivated. Uh, actually, but uh, interest, interesting to hear. And I, I kind, it was kind of a loaded question, as we say, because um, I fully expected it. Because I think it's like you said, it's completely normal, and any sports psychologist is gonna gonna be able to warn you about something like that happening. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it it has never happened to me before. Like after a big event like World Championships, it has never happened. Like I was like completely motivated after uh, after a comp like that, but. Like, I feel like Olympics are really something more. Like, you really feel that this is the biggest event, um, sporting event of in the world. So, yeah, and of course, like, Olympics are a work of four years. Like, you're working for four years for that one event to be the best, in the best shape possible for that one event, for that, like, maybe it's like six minutes on the wall, for example. So it's just, um, it's just like, when I think about it now, it's just normal that after like four years of work, Olympics, you will feel exhausted. So I will know what follows the next time. <laughs> the 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 perfectionism, the 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 control. You know, when you were describing yourself growing up, we have a term Type A personality, um, and I've talked to um, a lot of climbers, actually, especially women climbers. Um, I was also a high school teacher and saw it a lot in girls manifesting itself in a way that it was very dissimilar to sort of boys with the same attitude. And, um, and one of the big things you learn to watch for in high school is that, is that like, it's going to crack. They're going to, they're going to break at some point where the perfectionism becomes overwhelming and they can't let it go kind of a thing. And it's, it's something teachers are taught to, to watch for. So now you're, you've matured as, as I kind of maybe pointed out, you're, you've got a new phase to, to your climbing life. Um, Talk a little bit about how you're approaching sort of both your professional life, um, your climbing life, both indoors and outdoors now that, uh, you know, you've gone through this experience where you learned to let go a little bit. You know, how, how are you feeling going forward about your prospects as a climber, um, you know, in the next five years? That's that's a, that's a hard question. I mean, I'm definitely, I'm not, I'm, I definitely. I'm definitely not the same person as I was like a few years ago because like I feel like like every year I'm learning something new like every year I think okay now I know how to deal with this and that but like every year there's a different experience and you learn something new or there's something that uh, you didn't like before and you like now Um, so it's definitely changing all the time I can say that I was first a lead climber but but then in 2017 I said no, I like bouldering more. And then I started like uh, just doing bouldering and then it changed again. Um, so it's really hard to say what will happen in five years. Definitely, I'm a competitor by heart. That's uh, I cannot hide this. So definitely, I see myself in competition climbing. But as I always, as I'm always repeating myself, like as long as I enjoy it. So when I'm, when I stop enjoying it, then I also won't be as good. So that's the time when I would say that that maybe this this time of my career is over. Um, but definitely, I also see myself rock climbing more a little bit. Uh, but it kind of depends, you know, like what I'm psyched for. If you um, 
wake up for the next day of climbing in Oleana, whether it's on this trip or if, or if it's on the next day, what is that? Uh, what does that perfect day um, look like in your mind for you climbing there in Oleana? When I wake up, I will remember you saying that you believe in me, and then I will go. <laughs> And then I'll go outside and like, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> but the oh, perfect we've talked. <laughs> <laughs> but the perfect day would be like just um just climbing, just enjoying, just enjoying the moves, doing stuff and if that happens then it's perfect. All right, folks, thanks for listening. And thanks to Yanya for sitting down for a solid hour. And how about the laugh line at the end? Jeez, I the tiger and she's hilarious. Okay, if you want to know more about Yanya besides Googling her, there is the movie we talked about in the interview, The Wall Climbing for Gold. It's awesome. I was enthralled by this film. This film just kind of encapsulates everything we like about the Olympics, triumph over adversity, there's four athletes, including Yanya and our American darling, Brooke Rabatou. So check it out. It's available at Amazon, YouTube, Apple Plus, all for a small fee, but totally worth it. That's the wall climbing for gold. And if nothing else, watch it because you want to see what Coach Roman is up to. He's a standout character in the film. Okay, let's take Yanya's advice, shall we? Go out and live your life the way you want to. Do what you want to. Do what makes you happy. Don't do what other people tell you to. Except when I tell you to check your knots.